and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this week's new episode of the Xbox Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Boomstick XL. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an incredible program for you today. Um, obviously, we there's a ton of Xbox news. Uh, the Dice Awards 2022 happened, and Xbox and Microsoft won big. Uh, besides having uh, a lot of their games uh, win awards. Uh, Phil Spencer won award, an award, and we're going to actually watch his speech live here on the air. And uh, it's about maybe two and a half, three minutes, but it's what he said and how he said it that not only makes me as a human being feel really good about the way the industry is going, but as a gamer, I know that he is always, and I say he and Microsoft are always going to have our best interest in mind on uh, on how they move forward, and I'm I'm actually looking forward to uh, talking to, uh, you know talking about it with the with the guys. Um, but listen, let's get into the introductions, and we're gonna start first with our special guest, who has been a panel member here for many many years. Zemi Games, welcome back, brother. <laughs> it's almost like I never left. Boom. It's almost like I never left. No, I see the cyberpunk footage, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's really good. I'm quite oh, enjoying man. it. You should have played it so much sooner. Oh, you really should have. Uh, yeah, you know what? I but I I, I like the way I'm ha not having any glitch issues. I, I all the I guess or, yeah. You know, I I, it, I'm enjoying it the way it's was supposed to be enjoyed. Even though a lot of people didn't have a lot of issues, but looking forward yeah. to, uh, to, to, to to you know completing it right now. Elden Ring has my soul, um, and I'm gonna have to get it back so I can get back into this because I'm really enjoying it. But welcome <laughs> to the program, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate the invite. As yeah, always, no, no, anytime, no, no, no problem. Listen, let's get, let's continue the, 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 the train. Boxenberg, what's going on, dude? Welcome to the program. Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on a podcast with Semi again. It's been a while since we have uh, podcasted together, and um, of course, it's always a pleasure to be here with uh, Joanna Darik, with Math, and maybe we, maybe we see um, Miche later. So yeah, it's gonna be an awesome show with some cool things to talk about. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and obviously you got a, a special package being oh, delivered yeah. this, yeah. this afternoon. Congratulations so, on becoming... UPS is coming in about an hour, um, <laughs> they said, um, and deliver my new OLED TV for my man cave. So I, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, listen, continuing in, Mav, what's going on, brother? We got you for, a, for an hour. You got to bounce out halfway through the show because of a meeting. Not a problem, brother. So we're going to get you into the conversation. How are you, man? How's the family? Uh, doing good, man. Just been busy uh, getting stuff done around here as always, and loving Elden Ring like the rest of you guys. I'm not a Souls fan, me either. But I, this game's got got its hooks in me. I uh, had a lot of trouble starting out. For those that have watched some of my streams, <laughs> I've but, heard some uh, of the, uh, the screaming and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've gotten things together now. Now, now giants are no problem. We got that down. Nice. So uh, about ready to take on the the first boss. What's I want to call him Margaret, but it's like Margit or Margaret or something like that. Um, yeah, that's I'm, the one I'm that's in the castle, correct? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like at past I'm, the first. I'm, like, he's beat tunnel. me about six times already. I had yeah. him down. Where's the camera? I, d dude, it was like a pinch, and yeah. that was the last time. And I said, you know what? Let me just take a break, and I'll come back to it. You know, compose myself and. Mm -hmm. um yeah so i'm enjoying Matthew, it. I, you I, said you're, you're usually not a souls guy so so how is the difficulty for you i mean it's difficult but like the thing about this game that i find refreshing is it's more fun to go grind and farm and do different things when you do catch that part where you're having trouble getting past 
right? Okay. So now instead of just like, okay, do I just keep backtracking and and grinding these guys that I just fought over and over and over and over and over again? Or do I actually like just go and explore and like see what's out there and have some fun doing other stuff, right? And that's the main thing that's different for this one for me because when I had trouble fighting that boss, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not going to be able to get this done right now probably, but I'm going to go and see what's out there. And I found like so many areas and I found some mini bosses that I took out. And, um, it's just an amazing like open huge area that there's lots of stuff. So as a non-Souls guy, uh, there's a lot here to love that in it, it kind of flips the formula for me in a way that it makes it more rewarding uh, for the grinding aspect of getting past those challenges. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Boom, listen, I, I'm, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, I, 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 well, fortunately, I think he's onto something. I think one of the things that's interesting about Elden Ring is you don't necessarily have to bang your head against a wall on a specific yep. area. Uh, if there's, if there is a boss that is too tough for you, uh, leaving that area, unlike many Souls games that basically put you in a box. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go through here. You're going to occasionally find some rooms that maybe you didn't know that would shorten it if you die to go back again. And you go and you fight your boss. This is a a, a different formula. It's I mean the, the difficulty spike is there, folks. Let's let's call a spade a spade. The game is hard. There's there's no denying it. You will get your teeth kicked in. Um, but if you are interested in potentially overcoming some of these difficulties with especially with the bosses and the mini bosses you can grind for new gear uh like like for instance there are guys on horses not the main one that mr joanna dark beat down but regular guys i i was getting killed by them all the time now i run after them instead of them running after me so it's 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 like little things like that you'll notice that you will start to progress and become a little bit more aggressive if you will but speaking of mr joanna dark what's up dude welcome back to the program what's up boom gentlemen boxenberger mav zemi it's always a pleasure to hang out on tuesdays and my journey with lord Semenoske, the legend of the liquid sword continues as i took down this the tree sentinel last night and i took <laughs> him down and after that what did i do i know it was bedtime i opened up a beer and i just celebrated but yeah i've been having a great time Fantastic. with elden ring um, one of the things I love about it, and I know that people get upset, is the Breath of the Wild um, comparisons. But yeah, what I mean by like what that. I what I mean by that is just like Breath of the Wild, it, it's about discovery, and kind of like Mav put on there, walking around. I took out Yogi Bear, this huge bear that was around there. Yeah, I went he's a real in, prick. Yes, he is. <laughs> I went in and I started finding these key items, learning about the lore. I found a painting that I thought it was going to be like a boss, and I learned about um, some part of the game. And that's what I think it makes it different than many uh, Souls games. Um, and the other thing about these games is that, like I always keep saying, they harken back to what I used to play on the NES and the yep. Super Nintendo, where I used to get my teeth kicked in by a boss. And then after finally going over and over, I was like, okay, I made a mistake. And a lot of the times that I did die in this game, it wasn't because the game was being cheap. It was because I made a, a, a you know a move that I couldn't do. But now you know I took out Scooby Doo. Um, I saw like the little shaggy dog that came out of nowhere. I took him out, and I'm just continuing to grind. And like Mav, I'm just I'm grinding, but I'm enjoying the discovery of everything. And then when I get to, I'm about maybe I would say maybe an hour or two away from hitting like level 21. 
I think I'm going to go and, and visit the big boss, Godric, and uh, say what's up to him. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm level 20, and he he's still. He, I mean, I can get. I like I said, I can get him down easily halfway. It's the second half of health uh, that he has. Uh, that's a bit of a, a, a an issue, I suppose. But listen, because we have uh, Boxenberger and Mav on limited time, I, I want to get into uh, the opening topic. And uh, this one's again, some of the stories are a little smaller than normally uh, because obviously there's there's been some news, but not a significant amount of news. But needless to say, uh, one of the talking points has been Xbox Game Pass. For I mean, it's it's always a talking point. Well, today it was announced that Guardians of the Galaxy is coming to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, that is huge. That is huge because you get a chance to play one of 2021's best games. Uh, by far, it is uh, a title that did not... Uh, it didn't commercially do well, which is a shame. But uh, but but uh, fundamentally, as a game that does tell an incredible story, that does have incredible writing, that really will one of the things you will notice immediately playing this game is how different and better it is than Avengers. Now, Avengers by themselves in a single-player setting, the way this game would have been incredible. It's the multiplayer and the loot grinding shenanigans that went on with uh with you know with it that ruined that game, unfortunately. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you that this is a game you should play. If you didn't go out and buy it, and a lot of people didn't, uh, this was according to Square Enix a disappointment in regards to sales. I don't I don't know what would be considered good for them. Square Enix hates everything. If if it's not selling a million a hundred million copies, it's not it's it it didn't work out for them. So if you missed out on it, uh, please, by all means, definitely get over there and uh, check that out when it launches into Game Pass. Also, it was announced, you know, some some funny, some fun Game Pass news for me because I'm an OG. The Namco uh, Pac-Man Museum that is going to have 15 alt uh, Pac-Man games in there, some of which are arcade direct ports, is has been confirmed. That's coming out in May. That has been confirmed day and date release for Xbox Game Pass. Again, maybe not big for a lot of people, certainly big for me because I, I, I love Pac-Man and they have all of the best ones uh, directly from the arcade, plus some of the newer ones that were released. Um, but we have to talk about a game coming out on March 15th that is not going to be an Xbox Game Pass. I was shocked. King David and a few others that I talked to were a little bit shocked because we were under the impression that it was coming to Game Pass, but apparently I think that was something that we as fans thought it was, and it was never really said. And uh, that is Tunic, folks. Tunic, uh, the long-awaited, uh, um, uh, I guess, uh, chef's kiss to Zelda from the OG, the OG days uh, is coming out. Uh, it's a game that has been demoed at least half a dozen times. I've played most of the demos. I quite enjoyed the game, even though the difficulty was at times hard uh it, it, there was some difficulty spiking i don't know if that was the game or it just needed to be an adjustment well it's not coming into xbox game pass day and date uh i personally think listen i'm buying the game because one i want to support the developer one man made this game that's number one uh number two uh very much like death's door 
I have a strong suspicion that so does Zemi Games that after a couple of weeks, even a month or so, we would see this drop into Xbox Game Pass anyway. Um, I don't know why it's not in Game Pass. I don't know whether or not he wanted to take a chance with the sales personally, uh, even though I'm buying it and I can't wait to play it. And I will stop whatever I'm playing, even if I'm playing Elden Ring. I will stop because I love I love the aesthetics. I love the artwork. I certainly um, would love uh, you know a Zelda like type of title. Um, I have a it, again. This is just my opinion. I I feel that this isn't going to be one of those games that is going to be flying into people's shopping carts. Not because it's not good, because it's an indie game. And a lot of people don't give indie games a chance if they have to buy them. I feel this is a missed opportunity not to be an Xbox Game Pass. Uh, but let's, let's get the Boxenberg. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I fully agree with you. Um, uh, it, game Pass has this effect, especially for, for smaller indie titles, um to to be the chance for people to play it because um game pass has this marketing effect that viral effect when people play it and they talk about it and post about it on social media and tell everyone how awesome the game is others are going to pick it up it may be through game pass or then they uh through an actual purchase um so yeah i agree with you it is a missed opportunity but we don't know whether that's on um dicey the developer the, the the guy who made the game because i remember um song of iron and uh, the developer joe also spoke about it that he wanted his game to come to game pass um but it wasn't up to him so um sometimes uh stuff simply doesn't uh, come together and games can't uh, launch in into game pass so we don't really know whether it's on dicey or whether that's a, a game pass thing right now um but I agree with you, um, especially indie games uh, need that marketing push because yeah. they usually don't have have that marketing budget. There will be basically zero advertisement for Tunic. So um, it is through social media how these games get advertised and the more people uh, play uh, can play it, the, the better it gets advertised. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, uh, we, we know Joe personally. We've had Joe on. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, he has my even my cell phone number. And, uh, I, you know, we, we talk. I haven't talked to him since the holidays. Um, but, you know, he, he had come out and said that there is a long waiting list exactly. to get into Xbox Game Pass. That's confirmed. And, and, and it makes sense yeah. because it's, you know, you get your game in there. There's a couple of things that you can pretty much bank on. One, you're going to get paid by Microsoft. Regardless of how big that payment is, well, we don't know per game, yeah, right, per situation. But the advertising alone is uh, i think is worth its weight in gold when you look at uh like for instance uh they just put out their xbox game pass coming from march and they have all these games a lot of the games on there are smaller indie games i've never heard of them but yeah. now i have and now because of that xbox marketing push i'm gonna go check out said game i'm gonna press download now maybe it's not for me and i'll say okay well this game's not for me but what if it is what if this exactly. game is for me you know exactly. what i'm saying like record of lotos war a lot of people would not know yep. that that game is like Castlevania Symphony. I beat that game. That game is a freaking masterpiece. If you like, uh, Cas uh, you know, Metroidvania type of titles, I didn't even know it existed, but I did yeah, because of Xbox Game Pass. And it's, it's, I think we have said it multiple times on this show and then on other shows, and um, that 
Um, Game Pass, the beauty of Game Pass is that it allows us to try games we usually don't play, and that goes exactly. for big AAA games as well as these smaller indie games. I have discovered so many, many awesome smaller um, uh, games through Game Pass. I do on my channel every six months a video, Hidden Gems in Game Pass, where I highlight 10 hidden gems, uh, smaller indie games that I discovered through Game Pass I would have normally not played. And yeah, couldn't have said it better, Boom. Agree. Yeah, no, real quick, let's send me games. We were talking about this in the green room. Um, you are <clears> someone <throat> that appreciates little little titles like this. I, I love the fox. I think uh, he's a he or she. I don't even know if it's a boy or a girl, to be honest with you. But the character itself is adorable. The world <clears throat> is adorable. Um, this has been shown off for many, many years. Like we, We've seen this game for years, and finally uh, it's coming to fruition. So I'm very excited for the one developer that made this game. But I also kind of feel... That maybe, and I get your opinion on this, is not being in Game Pass a missed opportunity because I know that Joe, um, who brought Song of Iron, said he wanted to and couldn't get it in there, right? Because there was a waiting period. But Microsoft has specifically been working with the Tunic developer and the publisher because they've shown that game a boatload of times in many uh -huh. of their own big events. So I would imagine that that game would, could potentially be pushed to the front of the line because it's been working with them for so long. Do you think not being an Xbox Game Pass is a missed opportunity? You know, I, I, I it's, you know, I, I, I'm not 100% sure as, as far as that goes. What I will say is that, you know, maybe it is a missed opportunity. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is actually a great opportunity that it's not in, in Game Pass because, you know, ultimately, uh, maybe the game comes out, sells really, really well. Um, the, you know, developer racks up a ton of money. Three months later, it goes into Game Pass and, uh, you know, it, it performs almost, if not maybe even better than what it did whenever it originally launched, right? Um, you know, there, there's no real good way of, of telling this, you know, or being able to, you know, tell how well it's going to perform, uh, you know, beforehand necessarily. But, um, you know, I, one other thing that I, I will... I will kind of touch on as well is, you know, you guys were talking about indie games with marketing and all of that different stuff. And one thing that I will say that Tunic definitely has uh, in its favor <clears throat> is that so far uh, it, it has actually gotten, you know, quite a bit of marketing, right? I mean, we're all talking about it on this podcast, of course, right? Um, so I, I think even without Game Pass, it's going to perform, you know, relatively well. Um, you know, I, once again, you know, I'm not going to make any predictions on sales numbers. I, I you know, I, I, I couldn't do that anyway. Um, but, you know, you know, it has been showcased a lot, you know, by Xbox and by, you know, smaller content creators and, and so on and so forth. Um, plus, you know, it, it, another just great advantage to it is, is that it is it's a very shareable game, right? Like just graphically speaking, it's, it's kind of cutesy. Uh, it, it, you know, the, the visuals are really, really nice. The art style is, you know, just awesome. Uh, and I think it's a game that's easy to share with people. So, I, you know, even with it not being in game pass, I think it's going to perform really, really well. Uh, as far as me buying it, um, I, I'm still not 100% sold on it. I don't really know, you know, okay. if it's really the game for me per se. Um, but you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm definitely looking at it. I'm probably going to check out some reviews whenever it drops and, you know, depending on that is kind of, well, and then also how much time I have, uh, of course, as well. 
Um, and you know, and hopefully everything looks good. And uh, if so, I'll buy it. Uh, but as nice. far as Game Pass, you know, I think we'll see it eventually come. Uh, you know, so long as you know everything's good and the game doesn't come out and completely flop, which there's not really any reason to think that that's even going to happen. Uh, but so long as that didn't happen, I, I think that we will eventually see it in Game Pass. You know, probably three six months after uh, it initially launches, and uh, you know, once again, that might be uh, you know the best thing that that could happen to this developer because you know it may come out, sell a lot, and then go into Game Pass and then just. Uh, uh, sell a lot of again, uh, you know, sell a lot again. So yeah, no, you're you're 100 right. Uh, Mav, let's get your opinion on this, brother. What do you think? I mean, obviously, this is a game that's going to tug at the string, uh, the heartstrings of Zelda players. I don't necessarily think it's only going to appeal to uh, to old school old school G's like myself who remember us playing uh, Zelda on the on the NES. I, I think that the aesthetics do make it look like one of those games that you're going to want to play. I, I just feel, I don't know, man, I, I kind of feel bad because I, I just think it's going to be one that a lot of people don't look to. It, 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 in Game Pass, it would see a significant spike in uh, playability and views. And, and and we've known, you know, for a fact that more people buy games in Game Pass. Yeah. I, I mean, I think for a lot of these games, it's a great opportunity to be in Game Pass. Uh, whether, but maybe they didn't want to for some reason i don't i don't know like mm. uh, because of the finji the publisher uh is the name of the publisher and yeah uh they make some indie games and stuff i i would have a hard time thinking maybe they weren't approached about it uh, with how long they've been doing advertising and marketing uh at the at the xbox events for this game i mean we've seen it at all the indie showcases they've had we've seen it at a couple of the bigger shows i believe even in like sizzle reels and all this kind of stuff. And everybody's like, oh, it's Tunic. You know, it kind of reminds me of Below. You remember when Below was originally yeah. like announced and yeah. revealed like in 2013? It had all this hype. Everyone's like, what is this game? Oh, this is going to be amazing. And then years go by and years go by and years go by. And then it came out and it's like, oh, that was a thing. Right. No, nobody cared. You know, um, I hope it doesn't have that kind of launch it depends on how good the game is i think it's going to be fine either way if it's a good game right i personally don't know uh, like if it's going to be good or not because i haven't uh played i think there was a demo that people got to play before i know that some people got to play that and they really enjoyed it um and they said that the um updated uh stuff they saw in the trailers looked like it had come a long way even since then so i think yeah. it's got some promise the other catch is like how much is it like I don't even know how much it is. Yeah, is they haven't announced the price. I would. Game? I mean, I'm hoping like, it's like twenty bucks. You know, twenty yeah. thirty bucks. I would imagine. So if it's a twenty dollar game, then you know, like I remember uh, Song of Iron, like you know, uh, was um, like a twenty dollar game, right? And I, I know a lot of people that bought it that were looking to uh, looking forward to it, and we all talked about it, and we were all excited about it, right? So I think I think it can still get some traction without Game Pass, but. Again, you know, um, I, I don't know whose decision it was not to really put it in there, uh, whether it's the publisher or Xboxes. But yeah, I do agree that it is a missed opportunity for some of these games because, you know, you're you're looking at a huge boon, right? Even just the, when these games get announced, coming to Game Pass this week, right? It's like, oh wow, look at all these games coming to Game Pass. It gets automatic marketing in that way, right? Yeah. Um, there's a couple this week that were 
uh, we're going to be talking about um, on our shows and stuff. So um, I, I do wish it was in there. However, I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll pay the 20 bucks, whatever, if people like it to try it out. So I, I think it'll be okay. Yeah, not bad. Uh, real quick, Joanna Dark. We'll talk, let's talk about this, man. Um, obviously, you know you work. Uh, you know you work with, for Xbox, and you've seen the you know the business behind the scenes. Uh, I know that Microsoft wants to see games like this succeed. Uh, I, I think that's one of the most important things about the way Microsoft does business is that uh, a AAA game that has a hundred million dollar budget is treated exactly the same as someone like uh, the, uh, the gentleman that made this one, one, one developer made this game. Uh, and I love that about Microsoft. And, uh, it, but, but for you, I mean, I, you're an OG like me, so you're probably buying the game. Do you feel this might be a missed opportunity to really get people's eyes and hands on controllers for this? Not being in Game Pass? I think it's, a, you know, everyone in the panel so far has made some good points. Um, it would have been cool to be on Game Pass. I think it's still cool that it's coming first to Xbox um, as a title that gets associated with Xbox, regardless of the fact that it's um, not coming to the service day one. Maybe, you know, I'm not going to hear and speculate, but maybe the numbers look good um, without going to Game Pass. And maybe there was a line to Game Pass. And what I was thinking is maybe they said, OK, cool, let's go ahead. Not on the service day one. We're going to make some money. And then down the road, maybe it comes to other platforms and that's when Microsoft says, "Hey, let's get it on. The, let's get it on the service so people can still associate it as part yeah. of Xbox and as part of the. And it comes to the service, similar to Death Store. I purchased Death Store day one. Me too. It was a, it was a game that's well worth to me. the money. So, with um, with a game like Tunic, I, I I understand it has that same Death Store because we've seen it at so many shows. We got a demo, and it just feels like a game that was coming to Game Pass and like some titles that we've kind of associated." coming day one all of a sudden we, we're like wait it's not coming you know it happened with crossfire x and then it ended up coming but um just like song of iron and everything like that there might be this list and maybe it wasn't something that it at the time maybe the developer said hey i don't think it's going to work for me by holding my game off if it's ready let's put yeah. it out in the wild let's let people enjoy it and then like i said knowing maybe there's a you know there's a bag of cash to come back into game pass that gives it a second wind and again, the marketing that it needs and more people get to experience. And the best part is they can also save that, you know, that 20% off and buying it on Game Pass. Yeah. No, nah, a strong, strong point by everybody. Listen, I'm going to change up the order of how we're going to handle the, the rest of the show because we do have limited time for Mav. And of course, uh, um, Boxenberg is going to step away for a second. So I, I want to get into Dice Awards 2022 immediately. Um, and I, I want to bring this up in the conversation. And what I want to do is I want to play... Uh, we're going to talk about Xbox's uh, you know, big wins for their first party, but I, I really want to get into um uh phil spencer and what he said but more importantly how he said it so i'm going to pause this footage and i'm going to bring up his interview so everyone can check it out if you missed it this is coming directly from now i pulled the, i pulled the article from um how did i pull the article from uh let's see well the, the video comes courtesy of ign it's about two and a half minutes long um and uh, obviously if you uh, you know i want to give them full credit because i i, I couldn't find the footage anywhere else they had, they had it. I don't know if they recorded it or they got it another way, but I did take two and a half minutes worth of footage from it. Uh, the link for their full on uh, dice coverage is in the show notes. Below, uh, you know, once this goes video on demand. So let me bring up that uh, that Phil Spencer 
uh, speech. Here we go. Thanks. No, really. Wow, thanks, everyone. Thank you, Todd. Good job. It's incredible to be here tonight, looking out at everyone, so many familiar faces, people I've known and worked with for years, and some of the new voices in our industry they are so incredibly important. After everything we've all been through over the last couple of years, it's so gratifying to be here in person at DICE. I don't think any of us will take that for granted ever again. And this award, thank you. Honestly, though, it's hard to think about this award as an individual, especially as someone who spent so much of my career at a fairly large company. I'm so aware and reminded every day of how everything we accomplish is a reflection of how we work with other people and the talented and dedicated teams across our entire industry. So this award is really on behalf of Team Xbox and all of the great people I've been fortunate enough to work with across Microsoft, the amazing creators across the industry who inspire us, and of course, my lovely family. Interactive entertainment now reaches three billion people around the world and games are the most powerful venue for human connection of any form of media. In fact, so much of humanity is engaging with our industry that I don't think it makes sense to talk about gamers or non-gamers anymore. We're all players and creators now. And all of us, all three billion of us, actively participate in creating our culture, our community as awesome and occasionally over the top as it may be. But the people in this room and our peers around the world, the people who make a living and raise our families based on the industry we're building, we have a special additional responsibility. We have a responsibility to billions of players. We have a responsibility to everyone in this business. We have a responsibility to society and we have a responsibility to ourselves. Our responsibility is simple. Do everything possible to ensure that this entire industry is about treating every single person with dignity and respect. That's it. Dignity and respect. That means both players and employees. Our entire art form is about interaction, and nothing is more important than how we interact with each other on every level. Now, I hope that everyone here shares my deep belief that gaming is a force for good in this world. Actually, I wouldn't call it a belief. I know that gaming is a force for good. But when it comes to meeting our responsibilities as leaders, we have a long way to go. That's because I see far too often, both as a professional and as a player, where we fall short as leaders. We fall short when we fail to provide a safe and inclusive environment for every person who works in our industry. We fall short when we tolerate abuse. We fall short every single time someone feels unwelcome in our industry 
and in our communities. We can, we must, and we will do better. Culture can be a tool that enables us to realize the true power and potential of gaming. And the time to get our culture right is right now. We, at an, as an industry, are at a crossroads. The question is, has gaming reached its full potential and power to reflect and shape the world for all of us? And the answer is, not yet. Each of us has a lot more work to do to live up to our responsibility. Yet our shared journey towards respect and dignity for all employees and all in players is leading our industry towards a very bright future. We all have the privilege of working in the most dynamic, exciting business in the entire world. Most important, we deliver connection, joy, and wonder to billions of people everywhere. Entertainment, social bonds, mental and emotional engagement, these are essential human needs, and our games and our communities provide them on a vast scale. We should take pride in that. And I'm confident that we will meet our responsibilities, just as I'm energized and so confident by the people in this room, my colleagues and my friends. We are all so fortunate in this industry, and I'm looking forward to working with you for many years to come. So thank you for this award, and enjoy the rest of the night. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there it is. That that there was uh, Phil Spencer tweet that shocked the world. Uh, what Phil had to say, not very surprising. He's a uh, actually cut out the uh, the the first part of the uh, of the actual speech because people are applauding and it went on a bit. And you can tell he's so humble that he actually got embarrassed. He's like, okay, okay, stop it. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> he's scolding the audience. That's so Phil Spencer, right? Um, I want to get Mav in here on this. Then we'll get Boxenberger, and then we'll bring everyone back in on this. Mav, listen, uh, this speech was one for the ages uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, obviously, Phil Spencer is a really important person in the industry, more so than just being Xbox. This, this, this uh, speech of his... Uh, kind of really, uh, it, it, you know, highlighted what's going on and what has gone on in the industry, uh, specifically with Activision Blizzard. Uh, we, you know, and uh, I, I don't know who, if anyone from the FTC was watching, but I think that uh, this proves that what Microsoft is going to be bringing to the culture at, uh, at Activision Blizzard that has seen nothing but horror for many, many, many years with Bobby Kotek, uh, you know, running the show, basically the devil. Uh, this should get, make it clear that not only is uh, Microsoft uh, better for them, but that Phil Spencer, who has, of course, been promoted to, uh, uh, you know, head of, of Microsoft Gaming, that they're going to be in good hands. What, 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 do, what, are, what are your takeaways from his speech? Ooh. Wow. I mean, that... That's a big speech. That's actually the first time I heard it. I haven't had a chance to sit down and listen to that yet. So uh, it's coming from fresh ears right here. And I mean, a lot of it 
is also a lot of the same things he's been saying for a long time. Yep. But in the way he's delivering it now and on the stage getting this award, it's coming from a different level of respect from everybody and his peers, I believe. So the meaning of it all is a lot it's a lot more meaningful than just when he started taking over Xbox. It's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, now it's like, hey, everybody's there listening. And I actually, hey, the delivery on the speech was amazing, actually. Like, it, just sitting there, it doesn't sound like he's reading something. You know, he's just sitting there giving like a. <laughs> yeah, like, there, there was no teleprompter. At least I didn't see one. Yeah, so, that, I mean, <laughs> if he was reading from a teleprompter, it didn't, it didn't sound like it, right? Which that in and of itself, it's really impressive. So just kudos because uh, people don't realize how hard that is to do to sit there up in front of a stage in front of a lot of people and like talk naturally like that while giving a speech. Right. And, but he did it in such a way he's commanding respect from his peers. And I also think that's how, you know, it's genuine Mav. Yes. A hundred percent. But and there's a the stronger meaning to this. And I think a stronger meaning to this is where the direction of the industry is headed. Right. And putting this messaging out in front, like of, of their responsibility and everything to this, because of the consolidation and everything that is going on, right? Uh, they have to set themselves and assert themselves that that is going to be their vision and how they are going to have to approach it. And not only is he saying that's what they are doing, but they are saying everybody should be approaching it the same way, yeah. right? Because that's what's best for the industry, for everybody involved. If it moves forward in this uh, general sense of being more inclusive um, and it's going to benefit the players. Right. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of this consolidation recently, right. Uh, all these acquisitions and all these things, Activision blizzard, you notice he, he, he mentioned like we're not tolerate abusive employees and stuff like that. I think that's a direct uh, acknowledgement of 100%. Bobby Kodak and everything yep. going on there. Right. So, they're setting this message and this these standards up that they are going to have to live up to. You can't sit on a stage in front of this many people and say, this is what everybody should be doing and then not do it yourself. Right. So they're going to lead by example with this. And again, it's also part possibly part posturing for, you know, for the, for this deal to go through look at people looking at it, going to looking at, Okay, what are the other things that they're saying? How how are they acting? Like, what are the statements they're making about this deal and all and all these things? And anything can be used for or against them, right? Yeah. So I think this is part of that as well. He's pushing that strong message forward still. So it's very unified. And the thing is, I believe everything he's saying, though. Yeah. Regardless too. if it's for what purpose it is, it's been the same messaging that he's had since the start, since he's taken over. And it's just he has so much power now and respect across the industry and from a lot of gamers. I know there's some out there that don't like him for whatever reason. But I think at this point, most gamers have actually gone to respect this guy because he's one of us. Right. Yeah. He's he's one of us that actually got in the big chair. You know, he's not he's not uh, somebody that they pulled over as an executive from another company to come run their business. He's sitting there playing games, working in, in the offices at Microsoft, working his way up over the course of 20 plus 20 something years. And he managed to, to be one of us that actually got in that seat. Right. So uh, kudos to everything he's saying. Congratulations on the award. I think that he commands the respect. He deserves the respect. And he's pushing more. Like I said this before. 
he is he is going to make more impact on the, the landscape of gaming in the future than any current person in the industry. Uh, his vision for Game Pass and pushing that forward and everything that they're doing has literally changed gaming forever in in a way that I don't think anybody currently working in games will will match. Right. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. But yeah, great speech. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, man, and and, and great way to break it down. Boxenberg, let's get your opinion on this, brother. Um, this was a, 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 a fabulous speech. I, I thought yeah. that, uh, and Math pointing out that, that it looked like natural. It's just Phil being Phil, speaking from his heart, talking about the industry, being proud to be a part of the industry. If, if one of the things I took away from it is the word respect, he used that about eight different times during the speech and obviously respect of your peers, respect of your, uh, your, your customers, respect of the industry. Uh, I love how he put into, and, and, and this is important, how they feed their families with the business of video games. I, I, I loved how he made it personal like that. Like you are putting your kids through school because you're working in the game industry. We need to be better because of A, B, and C. What are your thoughts on what he had to say? Yeah, like you said, it, it was an awesome speech. Uh, it was really a great speech. You have to put this a little bit into perspective. What was the occasion? The occasion was that he got this um, lifetime award. And with that, he has the the chance to address certain people. This is, is a speech that is not targeted towards the public, even though we are listening, of course, especially as hardcore gamers. This is um, targeted especially uh, towards people that, and, and especially in leadership positions, that work in the gaming industries. It's, it's targeted for them. And he could have used that speech to say just, well, thank you, um, Thanks to everyone. Thanks to my family. Like you know, like they do it at the Oscars. But no, Phil. Phil took the chance and and made this about a big, big topic um, that everyone uh, in a leadership position in the in the industry, uh, as well as every other employee and frankly every human being in the world, should um, uh, be aware of. That it is important to treat everyone with respect and dignity. And um, I think this is is really something that he used this 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 award where he, where he got awarded for his achievements in the industry to remind every every leader out there um, to to take uh, or, or pay certain um, um, attention to this um, big problem in the industry um, across many many studios and. Um, I've, I found that very respectable. And the other thing is, um, besides this um, entire respect and dignity thing, what I really liked about the speech is that he didn't make it just about him, but all, he also mentioned multiple times that it's always a team effort. Yeah, that it's point. it's yeah that it's the team at Xbox that um, helped him to to achieve what he had to do. Um, that that it's teams out there working in the industry that inspired him and and Team Xbox and every it, it's not just about him when he talks he he always includes everyone in the industry and that's why people like to listen to him like Mav said for some reason <laughs> there are people apparently out there that don't like him but whenever he speaks I I listen and I like to listen because it is he he has such a, a charismatic uh, personality where 
well, it's not just about him, but the industry, about the people working in there. And, and that's why it, it was an amazing speech. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about it. Like I said, I don't know how many people, how many podcasts are going to want to, you know, show. I'm, I'm happy to have actually shown the footage. And yeah. uh, real quick, I, I, I want to give a shout out to where I pulled it from. PureXbox.com, which I get a lot of my stuff from. There are a bunch of great, great uh, uh, content creators over there. They posted the story and they linked the IGN video. So, of course, I want to give credit for Pure Xbox because I was looking for the speech. I couldn't find it anywhere. Not only did they have a story on it, which I read, uh, and uh, it's, uh, I will add to uh, the show notes so you can go definitely check it out there. I want to, of course, thank IGN for actually providing the video I mean, they didn't provide it to me personally. I cut it from it, but it's, I believe that it's within fair use. Uh, it was only a couple of minutes, and uh, they are credited in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, Zemi Games, let's get your opinion on this, dude. Uh, this this was a powerful speech, uh, and it was so important to the conversation that we're going to have today. Even if by some chance, like I, I, I get pinged as, uh, "Hey, you shouldn't have used the footage." I would I would take the L for it because I I wanted to show our community we have 330 people here, and for me as someone coming from law enforcement who worked in community affairs who actually worked hands on with the people to you know uh, something that was important to me I thought this speech was important to the industry how how did did it move you or is this just Phil being Phil? <laughs> um, I think a little bit of both. I, I think it did move me a little bit, and I, and I think it actually is Phil being Phil. Um, but one thing I will say um, is, I you know, I I don't think that this was you know an accident or or you know just a speech that he came up with on the fly. I think that this was definitely a very very uh, strategic piece of PR. And, and I don't mean that like, you know, he was reading off of a off of a teleprompter or anything like that. I'm not saying it like that at all. Mm -hmm. But I do think that this was definitely planned like, hey, Phil, if you win this award, you know, like, you know, this is what you should probably do. Or Phil just kind of jumped into it and, and, and thought to himself, hey, if I win this award, I'm going to make sure to talk about X, Y and Z because, A, it's important to the industry. It's important to me. But then there's also on the back end of that, uh, they just recently purchased Activision Blizzard. Uh, there are expectations that come with that from many, many gamers. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of gamers expect Xbox to clean up uh, the show over there, right? Uh, but then, you know, there's also some legal issues of, hey, is this going to be, uh, you know, is, is, is this going to be uh, completely approved and passed? And is the acquisition going to go through? Or is the government going to, you know, potentially block it? You know, there, there are also, you know, you know, potential circumstances with that as well. So uh, having this speech come out, you know, could, could also potentially uh, garner, you know, Xbox and Microsoft some goodwill where that's, you know, concerned as well. Um, but one thing I, I found really, really, really interesting is that, you know, so often whenever we hear from Phil Spencer, we, you know, he's really talking to us, the fans, yes, right? Indeed. Which is, yeah. which is, you know, awesome. It's fantastic. I want Phil to talk to me every day, you know, call me. Uh, no, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it's, it's more rare that we, that we see him really, really focus in on another group of people, right? You know, it, it's mentioned all the time, you know, on this show, it seems like, 
that whenever Phil speaks or any executive speaks, he's you know speaking to more than just you know one group of people. Of course, he's speaking to the investors, he's speaking to the employees, but then he's also speaking to the fans, uh, and and that rings true you know here as well. Uh, but typically, whenever he's speaking, there's always a bigger focus on the fans of the many franchises that a company you know that that Xbox or Microsoft makes. Uh, whereas, you know, in this speech, there's a bigger focus on the actual employees that that work for uh, Microsoft, but, you know, or will potentially, you know, here soon work for Microsoft. Um, but then again, just all of the employees just in the industry as a whole. I, I thought it was a really, really great speech overall. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I think it was an excellent decision on Phil or Phil's PR team or just whoever came up with the idea. I think it was a great idea uh, to focus on, you know, a, a, you know, an issue that really has been plaguing the, the games industry uh, for, for many, many years. And that's been super, super prominent in press here recently. I think that was a great, great decision, uh, to, to focus on that, to talk on that rather than just getting on stage, you know, waving everybody saying, thank you so much. Right. Um, just your typical award speech. I I think it was a great, uh, a great choice of Phil to, to do what he did. Yeah, no, you know what, uh, Mr. Joanna Dark, let's bring you in on the conversation personally. I think I know exactly where the speech came from came from Phil Spencer because he is an industry leader. He is the head of X, uh, Microsoft Gaming, obviously with the with the with the you know the addition or the the announced acquisition of of um, Activision Blizzard. It's safe to assume that he his position has has been raised even more within Microsoft. I think he is respected throughout the industry, and I think that Zemi's onto something. Uh, being able to have a stage uh, like this uh, and be an important uh, icon for gaming, you get a chance that uh, you you you're in front of your peers. The world is watching. Not so much us. We're watching now because obviously, like Boxenberg said, we're diehard fans. But this this is something that not only uh, needed to be said. It's how, again how he said it. What 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 were your takeaways from Phil's speech? I thought it was an inspiring speech. You know, as, as someone who's been a leader for almost twenty years, it's it's one of the things that you know, as a leader, you can't just preach. You have to also practice what you preach. Yep. And one of the things that I took away from this um, from this speech, particularly, was the words he used. Right. It's, you know, the stigmatism of the word gamer, as we see it. Right. He called he references us as players. Um, content. He. I don't think he also means just developers, but also ourselves. There are podcasting as creators to to kind of cultivate a positive environment. You know, we have people that come to your channel, boom, to get the news, to kind of, you know, find out what's happening in the world of gaming. And we also have a responsibility. And many people within the gaming industry do do have a responsibility to their viewers um, in covering the industry. And he is, another thing I took is the fact that he's making, letting people know, kind of like what Zemi said, if you want to work with Xbox, I also want to show you what Xbox is all about. That means whether you're a creator in Japan and, you know, Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia, or you're in, you know, South America, this is what you're getting when you do business with us. Um, yep. We're always going to be leading as a positive community, a positive company. It's not something easy. And it's also kind of setting the stage and kind of going back. Yes, you do have stuff with Activision, but also anyone that maybe wants to down the road, either through you know, second party, you know, 
deals or even, you know, acquisitions. When you're coming to Microsoft, here is what we're doing to make sure that the culture is amazing. Um, that's a great word, dude. I, I want you to please elaborate on that because that's one of the things that stands out for me as someone who understands the importance of 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 how you handle dealing with people one on one. The culture right. at Microsoft is known as the best in the business, I, and that's that's something to that's something to to be very proud yeah. of. Yeah, you know. Boom, just like you were a police officer, you know, I was in the military. And mm -hmm. one of the things that was always important was camaraderie and culture. Yeah. And I've worked at Microsoft for 11 years. And the one thing that I always tell people, regardless, you know, through the bad and the good, the one thing that always stood there was the culture that my leaders cultivated. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing that I always took myself, even when I got the opportunity to run a team, was let me keep the culture that keeps positivity, that makes people want to come to work. And I think the speech, yes, it can be something that was set up, like we're saying, from the PR team. But it was also Phil Spencer, you know, as a good leader, you're yep. not going to take the credit. You you understand that when your employees and your team shines, the, the people at the top are saying you they know you're doing your job. And you don't need a, a leader doesn't need to say that they're a leader and a leader doesn't need to tout their accolades. The accolades speak for themselves. And this speech kind of encompass of who Phil Spencer was, what the industry should change. You know, there are other platforms because we lived in the 80s where Sega does what, you know, Nintendo does, you know, Sega does what Nintendo can't. And we have to change that mentality. Yeah. You know, it's a business about relationships, about building healthy communities across regardless of platform. And we see it on Twitter and we see it in other spaces. So I think this is just a message of how Xbox wants to be as a platform and how they maybe want to work with Sony, with Nintendo, and anyone who wants to come into the gaming industry to continue to keep that positivity. Too many times we see it, right? Things with, you know, to kind of wrap it up, you know, Elden Ring. Oh, well, you know, accessibility. Well, maybe if you took the time to understand accessibility, you would understand what people um, within that community are talking about. And let's continue to make sure that we include people because everyone is a player regardless. We're not just gamers, it's players. Because yeah. anyone can just pick up a controller and play. But overall... An amazing speech, um, well deserved. And I found out through you know through God Howard that Phil Spencer's an alien, so that was really cool as well. Yeah, yeah good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we we now now it makes sense. Uh, real quick, I'm going to get to the super chats, but I have to address a particular comment uh, that normally I won't. Right, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Ninja Squirrel Thirty um, says in the chat, law, law enforcement. Hmm, can you be trusted? Well, here's the thing, my friend. First of all, I'm not going to ban you or block you for a ridiculous comment like that. If you've been following the channel, I've been doing YouTube for four years. One of the first things I did put out there for everyone to know is that I was ex-law enforcement. I worked most of my career as a youth officer and in community affairs. So if, if the NYPD would not have put me in charge of such in, incredible positions, if I was untrustworthy, and I get that. You know, this day and age, it's very easy to hate on a police officer because they're they only highlight the assholes in the world. You don't you don't really see the good guys that go out of their way and make a difference in other people's lives. So listen, you're entitled to your opinion, but if you don't trust me, that's cool. But you're Boom, still welcome I, here. Can I say something about that? Please, you know, by all means, go ahead. You know, we all have bad apples, you know, the military, I've, I've been in the, I was in the military for 12 years and I was part of some pretty bad things that certain people did in, in time of war. That doesn't mean that every serviceman or woman is bad. Correct. Unfortunately, you know, 
I here's the thing, right? You can be an amazing person overall, but the minute you do one bad thing, everything you ever did gets erased. And I think that we can't, that's unfair to whether you're a police officer, first responder, a military serviceman, a teacher, any type of part that you're in it, to kind of say that every person is a bad seed because that's not true. Um, there's people that want to do good. Unfortunately, the negativity gets highlighted. Well, negative, just like ba- 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 bad popo sell, sell newspapers. Yeah. That's the reality. So, you know, again, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I think it's unfair because we all have family members that were either in the service were in some type of organization to help. And I think that's unfair to those people that work very hard to kind of uh, be positive and show that there's good in people. Yeah. Also, you can't throw everybody under an umbrella. That's, 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 uh, that's bad one-on-one. So don't do that. But listen, let me catch up on some of the chats. The first one of the day comes in from our good friend and generous friend of the show. Drawn TJ drops an outstanding $10 super chat and says, Hey guys, Elden Ring's co-op is trash. <laughs> they should make it where I could join off of your profile. Yeah, I mean, they need they they, they need some fixings over there for sure. Boom, I tried have... to play. I tried to play Elden Ring, and it was just like literally trying to figure out a puzzle. And I was like, yeah, no, it, it's, I'm just going to play solo. <laughs> it does not hold your hand at all, which is one of the downsides for this particular game. It kind of just really just throws you in the deep end and says, well, if you can't swim, pal, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Tough. <laughs> um, uh, Sith Lore drops an outstanding two dollars. Super Jensen, the gang is all here, and Zemi. Yes, indeed, Zemi has reprised his role. Uh, we also have um, Power Man. Uh, I was gonna say Power Man Five Thousand. I love that band. Power Man Four K drops a five dollars. Super Jensen says, "Shout out to the panel. Great show. Hit the like button. Thanks, brother." And we also have Hitman drops an outstanding two dollars. Super chat and says. Uh, never even heard of this game. Looks uh, looks okay. <laughs> I, I, I think I think he's talking about cyberpunk. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, we also have Jesse Darby. Jesse, I, I I can't sanction this. I can't sanction what you said there, but I appreciate the two dollars super chat. I say promote rather than cancel. Uh, that is for sure. We also have Highlander drops a double. A, I think it's a double zero drops an outstanding five dollars super chat. And yeah, this is some sad news. Satya Nadal's son, who was 26 uh, and uh, suffered from uh, cerebral palsy, uh, has passed away. I believe he passed away on Monday, which was yesterday, and it was reported today. Um, and uh, it's uh, he, he says that it's uh, he was the reason that Xbox made the special controller. I donated a hundred dollars to cerebral palsy in his honor. Oh, that's awesome, dude. That is. Fan freaking tastic. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, and of course, Boxenberger is uh oh no, this is just something else. Sorry about that. Uh, Raiden Blade drops an outstanding two-pound super chat and says, My auntie was law enforcement, retired as a chief super. Wow, oh man, that's awesome. I just retired as a regular police officer. I could have got promoted to detective. I turned it down. I turned down the, the promotion. Uh, because their insurance is different from the PBA and the DEA, and it was terrible. Uh, so I could have been detective uh, uh, boomstick, but I turned it down because, yeah, it's I, I don't mind being a popo. Plus, I like being on the streets, and I was on the streets my whole career. And like I said, I did uh, youth officer. Uh, I was in charge of uh, sex offender files. I had to distribute them to the schools and stuff. It was very rewarding. I had an incredible 21-year career. But I'm here today for your entertainment, and now I do YouTube. So listen, let's continue with, of course, the remainder of the show. And keeping on with the DICE Awards, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Microsoft's first party won big. 
Um, and this is something that we haven't seen in a very, very long time. Uh, Microsoft is just now starting to get their ducks in order. I know there's been a lot of chat in, in the uh, in, in, in the, a lot of chatter in the chat regarding, you know, people's frustration behind when is Microsoft going to bring the games? Well, listen, I don't think you want half-baked games. So I think that we have to wait for them to be done. But what I'm talking about and what one big is best action and online game of the year, Halo Infinite. Congratulations to 343 Industries. Racing Game of the Year at DICE came in the form of Horizon, uh, Forza Horizon 5. Really no uh, surprise there. Uh, Strategy Simulation Game of the Year, Age of Empires 4, and Achievement yes. in... Yes, and I know you have a lot to say about that. Ooh. Achievement in Game Direction comes the way of Deathloop. So those were the big ones. I got to be honest with you, folks. My heart breaks a little bit because Psychonauts, once again, I don't know if that game could have been any done any better, and they did not win any awards. I, I am blown away by that. I, I know Tim, I know Tim, I don't know him personally, but he seems like such a great dude that even though he didn't win, he's still very satisfied that the game was. Uh, commercially successful and everyone that saw it and reviewed the game absolutely loved it um while we still have you here Boxenberger, uh let's talk about it this is this is a step in the right direction and we are on the cusp of 2023 and 2024 potentially yeah. being the biggest years in xbox gaming history and and i said that about 2021 i mean listen maybe not every game is for you and i get it but they put out a I mean, a really badass lineup last year. Yeah. This year mm -hmm. is going to be a little light. I hear everyone, but my God, this is this is like the cherry on top of this big banana boat Sunday for Microsoft, and I'm I'm happy to see them win these awards. What about you? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, see, like you said. Last year, we had Microsoft Flight Simulator. We had Psychonauts 2. We had Age of Empires 4. We had Forza Horizon 5. We had Halo Infinite. This was a stellar year. Yeah. And it's not just about the amount of games, but it's about the quality of these games. Look at the Flight Simulator. Whether that's for you or not, doesn't matter. It is a very well-reviewed game. Um, people really enjoyed it because it is a quality game. Might not be for everyone, but it is a quality game. Psychonauts 2 is the perfect example. What a, what, what a dedicated and a very talented team can do when they are given the funding and time. And they, um, um, Double Fine literally spoke about it, that they could only add the boss fights, which were awesome in the game. But these boss fights have only been able to be added because Microsoft gave them the funding to do so and the time. Um, look at Age of Empires 4. That is an amazing game. It is my most played game of 2021. I still play it almost every day. It is such an awesome, awesome game. I truly hope it comes to console for everyone to experience it because it is top-notch quality. And then we had, of course, the big dogs with Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite. And we've spoken about this, how um, how good they actually are. It is not just that Xbox has now games. They have quality games now. And these rewards represent that. And it is, that is great to see and very well deserved. And like you said, even though it kind of looks like 2022 is going to be lighter than last year, we still have games like Redfall and Arcane have always been a, 
um, um, good for a for for a quality surprise. Look at Deathloop. Um, I know a different studio, but it's under the same umbrella. Um, that game got tens out of tens all yes. across the, the the entire industry last year, and and Redfall is coming this year, yeah, as um, well as then, Deathloop for that matter. So we get a chance as Xbox exactly. players to play it. I can't wait. Great, great point. Exactly, yeah. Then of course Starfield. Come on, <laughs> that is um, <laughs> the granddaddy probably... of them all. God, oh Howard. yeah, God Howard. God Howard is going to release his game. It's gonna be at no doubt a quality game um then of course um forza motorsport is going to come out this year um and we all know whether race sim races are for you or not but this game will be a high quality game no doubt and age of empires for console on top of that exactly exactly and then i still think that we will get one or two surprises that we haven't heard of um today saying wolfenstein but okay uh we shall see um in the end, we still get like three, four, five um, great quality games this year uh, from the Xbox first party studio uh, studios. So, yeah, um, the, the, I think that is the, the important thing to take away here. These rewards have shown again that Microsoft not only has the games now, they have quality games. And, and that's a good thing. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, Zemi Games, to get you in on the conversation, uh, this is this this was great to see. Not because we're being Xbox fanboys, but it's nice to see Microsoft win some awards. And look, I know that everyone looks at the Keeleys as being the end all. And I hear people, it is, it is a big award show. I, I like it. I like what he's done over the last couple of years. Again, I don't always agree with Jeff, but I do appreciate what he does bring to the industry. But the Dice Awards, well, that's considered like the Oscars, at least in my opinion, because of how professional they are. It is it, it is the industry leaders like Phil Spencer, like Ed Boone, like Todd Howard. We've seen the likes of them at these awards, and it is, it is a big deal. It, it, it is considered uh, one of the elite awards for developers, and I'd love to see it. Microsoft walked away with quite a few trophies, and I'm very, very happy for them. More so for me, I'm happy for 343 Industries to win those uh, th those two awards because they were under ridiculous amounts of pressure. And, and I'm not going to say that I you know, didn't give it to them when I thought they deserved it, but I'm happy that, that it turned out the way it did. What are your thoughts on Microsoft pulling in these many awards on their first party that has been in question over the course of the last generation? I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, it really and truly is. But w with that being said, like, I, I mean, during the VGAs, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Xbox, I, I, I think, like, had the most nominations as a publisher, yeah. had the most nominations, right? Um, yes. So, so you know, I mean, they they did really, really well at the VGAs, uh, especially considering you know the past years uh, or the past generation uh, that they had over there. Um, but but as for the uh, the dice awards, no, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, it does kind of suck that uh, um, Double Fine uh, can't catch a break um, with Psychonauts yeah. 2 because that game was absolutely just so fantastic. But I, I think that the, I think the thing to remember with that is that you know platformers is one of the most popular genres that you know that developers you know make games for. So. Uh, you know, I mean, it's definitely going to be a little bit more, I don't know, maybe difficult to win uh, that. But uh, it, it was for sure my favorite platformer for, uh, you know, 2021. Uh, fantastic game. Uh, to see 343 
getting uh, more credit for uh, what what they did with the uh, Halo franchise is fantastic. Of course, you know Forza is you know Forza's Forza, right? Um, they 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 always do a really really good job, uh, and I'm super excited for uh, you know this year with uh, Forza Motorsports. Um, but you know I, I, another thing is you know whatever whatever you said um, you know and this goes great with Archimedes' point. But whatever you said that, you know, a lot of people uh, are, are looking at this year so far as, as a really, really dry year for Xbox. Like, I, 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 you know, I, I, I hope not, because if they are, I don't understand what they're talking about. I, I, I agree that the beginning of this year has not been uh, the most active for games. Uh, but, you know, as our committees, you know, uh, you know, explain. I mean, Starfield's coming out this year. Uh, you know, Hellblade Two is 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 you know coming out this year, if I'm not mistaken. Redfall, Deathloop. Uh, is it's not. Be it's not coming this year. Hellblade. And oh, I, it's I, not. I, no, I think no. I think Hellblade is again. This is just speculation on my part, and I, and I agree with Boxenberg. I, I think it's first quarter next year. It, that's gotcha. what, yeah, that, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. These are these are the five games that are coming out this year for Xbox. Mm-hmm. Forza, uh, Forza Motorsport. It's not going to be eight. It's going to be Forza Motorsport. Whatever. I think it's a reboot, a soft reboot of the of the franchise. Redfall is coming. Age of Empires four coming to console. That was out last year. Deathloop uh, again coming to Xbox for the first time. It was out last year. I have it for PlayStation. I played that ah, maybe about ten hours into it, but I stopped because I really want to play it on Xbox. And the big granddaddy of them all is Starfield at the end of the year. Uh, there are a couple of exclusives that are coming out that are going to be exclusive to Xbox for at least uh, the foreseeable future that will la- that launch in October, November. And of course I'm talking about scorn, your most anticipated games, Emmy games. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and in November store, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, in December, it's going to be stalker too. So yeah. I don't think that this which, game is which coming I'm out also now. So excited yeah, with, for, right. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. With everything that's going on in that country it's unlikely that game gets released because I mean, real world folks, real world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, but still, I mean, five games is, is nothing to, you know, you know, frown at. Uh, at. No, but, no, absolutely. But, but, yeah. but also we haven't even gotten to E3 yet. And, you know, other things of course could get announced for this year at, at, yep. at E3 yeah. from Xbox first party studios, right? There Plus be... there's always one game that nobody mentions, but it's kind of a big deal. I think and that is Arc 2. Um, yeah, Arc 2 yeah, is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Arc is, is huge. It's a huge game, has a huge fan, uh, fan base, and it's getting a campaign starring Vin Diesel. Um, nobody mentions it. <laughs> Vin, Vin Aloy. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Atomic Heart. We forget about Atomic Heart. Yeah, Atomic Heart. Yeah. Yeah. True. But overall, I, I I think it was a great show for uh, for Xbox. They uh, got a you know they got a lot of awards and 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 they definitely uh, are deserving of it. They they really are. Yeah, good stuff. You know, and uh, and uh, Mr. Joanna Dark, let's bring you in on the conversation. Zemi point Zemi Games makes a great point. Uh, as a matter of fact, one I had to have overlooked before I, when I wrote the, the today's show, Microsoft during the Keeleys did in fact have as a publisher the most nominations uh, out of everyone. And, and it was a significant amount, which is great. But like, again, I like the, I like the Keeleys as they call them. I like the game awards. I like what he brings to the table. I love the, I, I love the first, you know, the, 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 you know, the hands-on review, uh, you know, reveals of these games that we're, that we're going to be playing years, years from now. 
but the Dice Awards is an industry standard. You go to the, you get nominated at the Dice Awards. It is like getting an Oscar. It, it is, it is looked upon by the uh, development community as an, as an important uh, place where their work is recognized, uh, and it is a big deal. It's a big deal for developers. I, I'm happy to uh, to see that Microsoft uh, or Xbox Game Studios walk away with so many nominated uh, uh, awards. What are your thoughts on them? They're, they're well deserved, and. Um... The reason it is, you know, I'm a sports person, right? And one of the key things that I love is when you reboot a team and you start from scratch and you start putting in pieces in place. And one of the things that was always a running joke from Microsoft was like, oh, Phil keeps saying the games are coming. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. And they did. They did deliver. As you can see with Forza, with Psychonauts, with, you know, Ages of Empire, Flight Sim, Halo. This is his commitment to showing people that have been with the Xbox platform and have been looking at the Xbox platform that this is what we're, we're doing. We're changing this by giving you quality games that you can enjoy in the service. And all these teams kind of came together. He put them together through acquisitions, through years of making sure. And he said it with Halo Infinite. Not one game is, you know, goes above in the sense of releasing even the Xbox Series X, you know. And he did it. He delayed Halo and he made sure that it was a product that people who have been with the franchise would enjoy. Then we got Forza, which that turned 10 did an amazing job. Then Ages of Empire 4, you know, Gears, Hive Buster. All these quality games to show you that, hey, we are invested. And we're going to give you quality content that's going to come day and date to the platform on Game Pass. And now look at the Dice Awards. People are recognizing the efforts that these teams put. And it shows. You know, all this thing about many years, you know, people making these jokes or, you know, people always talking about regardless of platform. Oh, you pay for the reviews. No, people are recognizing even if you're a person that loves a specific platform or people that covered a specific platform. There's no way in any universe that you cannot just say, hey, you did a great job. Just like when you anybody who makes a great job, you give credit where credit's due. And this is just a culmination of what's to come. And this is only the beginning. And, you know, Deathloop was one of my game of the years. I love Deathloop. I played it on PC. Uh, Arcana did a great job. I'm excited next month for Ghostwire Tokyo. And like Zemi was saying, I don't think, you know, the way I look at this is it's like a wrestling match, right? When a wrestling match starts, right? Who starts first? Whoever's there. And then all of a sudden, there's a point where everything turns and the other person has momentum. I just think it's a strategy, right? It's a game of chess. Why do you need to drop all your games? And if some of these games are ready, aren't ready, why are you going to decrease the quality of the games and do this to, to to your developers by just just because people are asking for it? If you have content, you go with your third-party partners. And then when you finally have the games, you deliver the games that you've been doing with the quality. And at the end of the day, you know, they're going to enjoy it. Look at Cyberpunk. Boom, you're enjoying it now, right? Guess what happened to that game? Yep. It got pushed out because, hey, we wanted to make money and we were tired. We, you know, we, we couldn't make that call. And this game is amazing. But guess what? All the publicity I got was because of the bugs. So as much as for some people may disagree with me, I want developers, regardless of what platform, to take as much time as we can. We already have enough great games that are out there so that when, when we finally get these games, they live up to the expectations that we had uh, of being excited. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And like I said, there's there's a lot to be uh, to get excited about. Real quick, this is I, I, this is a small little uh, uh, topic that I had in here. It's not worth half an hour, uh, um, you know, because obviously this there's only it's only one thing. I, but I do want to bring forth to the community, so maybe a lot of people don't know this. Uh, it was announced that uh, in Forza Horizon Five, there is uh, an option for people with hearing uh, loss. Uh, they they added sign language to the game, uh, and of course I'm talking about playgrounds, uh, playground games. Added uh, the ability for someone who can't hear to understand the cutscenes because someone will speak to them in sign language. I think that is unbelievable. Like this is this is something we I have never seen happen before. You know you can you know you can watch you know you can watch TV with them. Would close caption for you, and uh, but to, to actually go back into the game and add someone doing sign language for someone who is hearing impaired, I I, I don't think man, you're not going to hear this on many many podcasts because this may not be the one that makes you get a, you know ten thousand views. But I love talking about topics like this only because I think it's so important that. The the inclusive behavior behind Microsoft isn't just a theory, isn't just words that come out of Phil Spencer's mouth. This is another example of being inclusive and having everyone, even if you have uh, you know a disability in hearing loss, that you can still be a part of uh, of of gaming. I I just think it's 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 an incredible uh, feat for Microsoft, for Xbox Game Studios, but more importantly, Playground Games. Real quick, just give me your opinion on it. We'll go to Zemi first on it. Zemi, I didn't even add it to the show notes. I happen to see it in my own personal <laughs> notes. I, yeah. I think this is this is tremendous. No, absolutely. Look, I'm a huge fan of accessibility, right? I, I'm fortunate in the sense that I, I don't really have any, you know, disabilities that that make doing, you know, anything, you know, such as playing games or, or, or watching media, or, you know, just any daily functions uh, challenging, you know, and I'm very fortunate that I don't have those, you know, those issues and those challenges in my life. But there are people that do. And so I absolutely love accessibility and and I don't think that there's enough of it put into games. I don't think you can put enough of it into games. I want to see more. Um, and adding sign language to a game, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm, you know, not an expert on it, but I, I, I don't think I've actually seen or Ever. heard of another game doing that right um and and you know this this isn't so much of you know just one studio doing it tons of studios across xbox have been doing this you know um about a year ago i think we we covered a story of uh, obsidian including uh a feature to make spiders less scary for people with arachnophobia right um and 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 so and there's other countless examples of of microsoft you know game uh, xbox game studios doing this and other studios as well microsoft isn't the only one which is great um but I, I absolutely love accessibility, and it's one thing to talk about accessibility, and it's a completely other thing to actually do it and to implement it. And uh, you know, not one other thing I want to mention um, is is the Xbox Adaptive Controller, right? I, I mean, industry I, it should be the industry standard, Zemi. 
it, it should. It should. And and I, you know, and this isn't, you know, like let's pump up Xbox today. I know this is an Xbox centric podcast, but I, I I truly do feel that out of all the companies, you know, whether it be you know uh, platform, you know, um, you know, whether it be platform companies like play, you know, like Sony, uh, Xbox, Nintendo, uh, Steam, whatever it may be, or if it's just publishers, I think that. You know, Microsoft and, and the you know and the Xbox uh, brand is really leading uh, in accessibility in gaming for sure. One hundred percent. Let's see. If I, I'm, I'm on another screen. Let's see. Boxenberger. Boxenberger, you still here, brother? What are your thoughts on this? This again, not the biggest story of the day, but my goodness, it's worthy of a conversation, even if it's a couple of minutes. I think that this is extremely impressive. Yeah, it is. Um, like Sammy already said, uh, Microsoft is doing so much when it comes to accessibility. The controller is one thing. Uh, the other thing that that I always like to mention is when we talk about that, they had a, an entire showcase dedicated to accessibility in gaming um, last year. And I've, when we spoke about that, I said, what other gaming company does something like that to to give them a full hour, full production quality show um, just uh, to highlight these accessibility features and how people with handicaps can enjoy gaming? And they are going to. They already said they are going to return with that show this year again. And um, Forza having this um, now uh, uh, the, the, uh, for the for people with hearing disabilities is. Is great. Um, it, it just shows that Microsoft really is committed as a company to make gaming accessible for everyone around the globe. So, um, two thumbs up from my side. Yeah, and uh, Mr. Juwan Dark again, not the biggest topic of the day, but certainly worthy of a conversation and one that I'd love to see other developing houses, you know, follow the lead of, of of Xbox and follow the lead of Playground Games. This is. Again, this is pretty interesting. I've never seen it done before. I've been gaming for over 40 years. And I think allowing everyone who wants to be a part of gaming to be a part of gaming by offering these kinds of accessibility is just, it's just awesome. It's so awesome to see. Yeah, you know, the, you know, saying that you, that you're a champion for accessibility is different than making it part of your culture and your day you know, in your daily life. And one of the things that I love is that we, you know, not only in gaming, but myself here and the rest of the team at Xbox and Microsoft, we practice about accessibility, respecting our peers that have Indeed. accessibility needs. In addition to that, not to divulge information, but we have what's called the gaming for everyone call. And that's literally developers are talking about how can we start from the ground putting accessibility in. One of the key points that I want to also stress out is this is where it comes in the fact about Dark Souls, right? It's not, and I think there was, I forgot the article's name, but I think it was Steve Saylor and a bunch of other accessibility um, individuals in the industry said that it's not that people want an easy mode in Dark Souls. It's that they want accessibility features built in so that they can play the game the way it was meant to be. Um, because of the so many, you know, some people are not good when it comes to reaction. Some people, like, you know, Zemi was talking about with Obsidian, may be afraid of spiders or snakes or so forth. And... It's great to see something. I've never seen this. And one of the things that, that kind of stood out when I was watching that video was that at first people think because you have subtitles, that subtitles can convey a lot of the, the emotion. And it just showed that, hey, even people that, with the, with, that needed you know, that use sign language, subtitles weren't enough. So it's great to see that they went the extra step to give this to people. And I, and I want to see this more. I think it's great. 
And that's when, you know, the whole saying comes up, right? When everybody plays, we all win because we want to continue to make sure that we can have conversations with our friends or people that we know um, to get to enjoy that, that we're not the only ones that get to enjoy certain games because uh, accessibility is not built into them. It's not just about putting in certain things into a setting. It's about working with individuals to actually make these games more accessible um, and, and fit the needs of certain players. Yep. And I love it. I, I, I love that we took the time to talk about it. And I love, I love, again, it's one of the, one of the major reasons why I do uh, really appreciate and respect what they do over at Xbox because they are making strides to not just become uh, industry leaders, yet looking to make industry change uh, something that be, uh, to be at the forefront of the conversation. I, I just think it's fantastic. But I do want to move on to the next topic. Let me just pull it up over here. Let me see where we got you guys. Let me see what was it. Oh yeah, this this is this is this is rather. Uh, an interesting topic for sure. Uh, it was announced by Microsoft uh, that that uh, today they launched uh, Xbox Wire Japan, and uh, basically, according to the post and the press release, it's uh, this is what Microsoft had to say: it's reinforcing our commitment to Japanese gamers, creators, and media by bringing them the very best in Xbox news when and how they need it and i think that this is incredibly important because look microsoft traditionally has failed in that region of the world uh and uh it it's you know their tenacity to not to want to give up is a is 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 proven day and day and if you are as as attuned to social media as i am and i mean i do i do that for a multitude of reasons you are constantly, or at least I am constantly getting in my feed, Japanese gamers posting that they got an Xbox Series X, they got an Xbox Series S, they're showing off their collection. And I think that that is fantastic. Uh, I, I love the fact that Microsoft is proving to that region of the world that Xbox isn't secondary, that is, it, it, it is important to them. I know that they have, you know, they only have the one Japanese studio so far, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they that, that because they only have one studio that came with the Bethesda purchase, that A, they're not going to get more, or B, certainly, you know, put dig their heels in the sand in that region to bring those gamers the type of games that they would expect and even showcase some of the uh, the games that we play here in the West. And again, I, I like that they're continue, continuing to make strides. You know, let, let's get Zemi's opinion on this. Zemi, you know, obviously we, we know the history with Xbox in Japan. It's, 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 I mean, it's a number, it has been number three for years. And at that point, number three, not being good because their sales have not been uh, stellar to say the least, but Phil Spencer has gone over there since he took over in 2017, at least, uh, you know, 15, maybe even 20 times. He was recently over there with Sarah Bond uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they were rubbing elbows with the people that are the movers and shakers in the gaming industry in Japan. And, and I love to see it. This is another stake in this, in, in the ground for me to say that, 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 um, the Japanese gaming public is important. And I, and again, there are a lot of people in this community that love JRPGs that want to see more of those come to the Xbox. I think this is a, a two-way street we're going to see Microsoft uh, really uh, benefit from. No, absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. They'll, 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 I think they'll see really, really, really uh, great benefits from, from doing this. Um, 
you know, I, we, we talk about Japan a lot on this show. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one thing I often say is, um, you know, and, and, and I'm pretty sure it's still correct. I, I, I haven't fact checked this for probably about six months or so. Uh, but Japan is, is the third largest uh, country for, for gaming in the world, right? I mean, it's a huge marketplace. Uh, and, and that goes off of global revenue. Um, huge marketplace for gaming. Um, and you know, of course people in Japan speak Japanese. Now, several people have, uh, do speak English as a second language. Um, uh, but, but there's something different about, and something more personal about, you know, bringing information or talking to people in, in their native language, which I think is a very, very strong, uh, area for bringing out a Japanese, uh, Xbox wire. Uh, you know, uh, version. Uh, but additionally, you know, one thing that, you know, we as content creators don't think of very often is that many times the press releases that we're reading are in English, which is hugely beneficial to all of us, right? right uh, there are content creators in Japan. And, you know, imagine now that they're able to read all of the press releases and get uh, a huge bulk of Xbox news in their own native tongue. Right. I, I can see I can see the possibility that a lot more influencers in Japan could potentially cover Xbox now. Um, but overall, I, I think it's a great move. It really, really, truly is. Um, and, you know, we we've seen for uh, the past several years that Xbox is really, really shooting for, uh, you know, establishing themselves, uh, you know, a strong foothold in, in Japan that they previously, you know, just have not had. Uh, and, and I think that this is just another step on the on the grand scheme of, uh, you know, getting a good level of market share in Japan. Um, a few months ago, maybe a year ago, you know, um, I, I, I kind of, you know, explained it like this, every single small thing that Xbox is doing in Japan, uh, is, is like a, just a piece of a puzzle that they're putting into play. And, and at the Great. end of it, we'll, we'll all see the huge big picture. And I think that that still rings true today. This is just another puddle, uh, puzzle piece uh, you know, and, and, and here, and I think, and, you know, maybe, maybe it's going to take three years, maybe four years, uh, but we're going to hopefully see Xbox have great returns in Japan Yeah, by all yeah. of these smaller decisions that add up. Yeah. And I think you're onto something with that. I, I, I think that if you're going to build something, uh, you have to start from the ground floor up. You got to start with the foundation. I think what they've been doing, where Phil's been going back and forth to Japan, I, uh, is, is certainly laying the bricks, if you will, to what they're going to do. And, and I, I like the puzzle analogy, uh, Zemi. I think you're onto something here because you can't, you know, you're not going to paint a Picasso by just going one stroke with a brush. You're going to have to take your time and, and, and paint it. And I think that's what they're doing. And this is another great step uh boxenberger i know you're back you're just back here but i want to get your opinion on this because obviously you are from uh you know a, a huge part of this this program but you also represent uh, uh germany and you're another part of the world so you you can you can potentially relate to this microsoft launches xbox wire japan i think it's incredibly important because they're trying to um relate to that player base that for the most part kind of did never took to xbox and i think that this is an important first step of many steps that they've taken so far and continue to take for you is it a big deal that they are releasing uh the launching xbox wire japan 
Yeah, um, I want to come at this from a little bit of different angle. See, one of the big problems that Microsoft has outside of the US and UK is localization. Yes. Um, it is still a big issue here in, across the entirety of Europe, and it is especially a big problem across everywhere else. Um, Microsoft is like Luster when it comes to localization. You cannot say anything else. Um, it took them 20 years to localize properly in, in the biggest countries across Europe and the smaller countries are still not localized. Um, there are shops um, in, in, in or, or countries here in, in, in Europe where you can't even per make purchases with your credit card in the Xbox store. Stuff like that. Um, not speaking of language, which is, is another thing. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, a lot of, of menus are still not available in, in native languages for people. Um, I know that South America is also dealing with a lot of these things. India is awful in localization and um, the entirety of the Asian countries. Um, so it is, a, it is a super small step. Is it a good thing? Of course. Is it enough? Not even remotely. Um, right. Microsoft has really to learn from Nintendo and PlayStation in that regard. Um, they, the, the success of PlayStation ac across Europe was the success, success of their localization efforts. Yeah. They are localized in every language. They The stores um, are everywhere available to everyone. Um, the, the All the news sites, etc., are provided with codes. Most of the... the Gaming websites and influencers, etc., etc., are not provided with with review codes, with test equipment, etc. I always bring up the best example for me is Halo Infinite. The biggest German YouTuber, gaming YouTuber, has 4.3 million subscribers, and not even he did get a preview code for Halo Infinite. Why is that? That's pretty disappointing. Yeah. It's, Microsoft is really lackluster when it comes to any efforts uh, in terms of marketing and localization outside of the US and UK. And this is, is a, a small part in Japan because now it comes in the Asian region. Um, most people don't speak English. Across Europe, you can argue at least that people speak or at least understand English um, for the most part. That's because... Um, also, the movie industry, for instance, uh, doesn't localize, of course, every every single movie. And a lot of movies are watched in the native language or uh, everyone has to learn English in school across most countries here in Europe and, and so on. So there is a, a certain base knowledge of English. If you go to Japan, to Korea, to um, uh, China, you will realize people don't speak English. And um, so is this localization effort uh, important yes it is and xbox wire now available in, in japan definitely is a great thing um but it is only a small part uh, of, of what they need to do yeah no great stuff uh mr joanna dark let's get you in on this on this conversation uh like i said uh i, I think everyone has hit the nail on the head specifically in the localization uh situation at xbox uh microsoft as a whole as a company that this is something that is that remains to be an issue uh, it has been for many, many years. This for Xbox, uh, you know, launching Xbox Wire Japan, like uh, Boxenberger said, it, it's a small step, but it's still a step nonetheless. I'm, I'm happy to see it. Uh, I don't know how uh, this is going to 
uh, what they what, what you know what they're going to do after this, um, whether it be an acquisition, whether it be add more just uh, you know uh, more games that that gamers have been asking for, specifically in the JRPGs to Xbox Game Pass. But I, I still like that they're doing something. Yeah, I think Boxerberger brought some good points, and it's something that you know um, Xbox needs to continue to work on because it definitely is important. Um, especially when you have a YouTuber out there that's covering uh, the platform and doesn't have access to something like that. I think with the Japan thing, yes, it's something that they continue to want to uh, kind of break into the market. And, you know, I think the difference about this is, you know, we've seen it through the 360 era, through the Xbox One era. It's not just saying we want to be there. And I think this is a, a small step in showing, hey, we're we're going to do this to show you that we're serious about mm. this market and bringing localization to the market um, to kind of show the other people or the many developers around in Japan that, hey, we're serious. And also, yeah, to bring have some of those content creators out there start maybe covering Xbox and giving that coverage, which, again, it comes in good faith. Right. Um, when it comes to trust, you always got to give it first to then receive it. So I think this is a good step in that direction. And hopefully this is just, um, you know, a nice small step, not only just in Japan, but to other parts of the world as they continue to want to be everywhere, right? So in order to be everywhere, you just can't go to one section. But of course, maybe that's where it starts and hopefully continues to expand um, throughout the world when it comes to localization. But yes, it is definitely an opportunity and I like, and I'm glad to see this there. And hopefully now we can maybe see more people say, well, hey, if you are making these efforts here, then you're right, boom. JRPGs, all these niche titles there can maybe yeah. start be like, you know what? Maybe we are because we see that you're serious about it. You're not just saying, hey, we're going to put a box here and we're going to do this. We're definitely going to um, we also have, you know, we're also putting the efforts on our end to show you this. So you can definitely be able to cover some of these games. And, you know, some of the key things was, you know, coming to the Tokyo Game Show. That's important, right? Yeah, indeed. And, and they understand that they've pivoted to the Japanese market, right? They're, they're big on mobile. That's why the Switch is great over there. So with xCloud um, and the Series S and all this, it's just another thing that they need to do to make sure to show the Japanese market that they're serious as well. Yeah. You know, listen, uh, you're 100% right. Everyone had great points. Again, not, not the biggest topic of the day. Uh, we do have a significant amount of time left, and I don't want to show. So what I, what I want to do is I'm going to call an audible live on the air here. Uh, last night, if you got a chance to check out Primetime Gaming, we spent half the show talking about what Michael Pactor had to say regarding the um, the Activision Blizzard deal. I called him. Uh, I called his his again his opinion, but the way he's the way he said it on the fact of Pactor was was that it was a, as a matter of fact. And not only do I think he's wrong, I think putting himself out there to get chopped down at a later date is just it's uh, it's reckless. So I, I have three panel members here. I, I want to get your uh, quick opinion. You heard what I had to say about it. I thought it was preposterous. I thought it was foolhardy to make to make the, the the claims that he's making. But because I have three members that weren't a part of last night's show, I want to get the uh, get their opinion and of course get the community's opinion in the chat. And I'm just going to read exactly what he said. Now, uh, uh, Hoglaw, who is a friend of this program, who is a friend of this community, did an absolutely incredible video. Uh, I don't have it linked to this show. It was linked to Primetime Gaming. But because we're talking about it, I suggest uh, that you go check it out. I will link it as soon as the show is done. These are direct quotes from uh, from Michael Pactor, analyst for the industry. 
And this is what he had to say. He says, my expectation is Microsoft is going to receive a consent degree, a decree from the FTC, of course, short for the Federal Trade Commission. And if you don't know what a consent decree is, it's basically, hey, we're going to approve this deal, but we would like you to do these things. And this is the these are the, the things that he's that he suggests are going to be coming in the form of requirements for this deal to go through. Again, complete preposterous. Uh, he says this, no price increase to the Xbox for 10 years, no price increase to Xbox Game Pass for five years, and this is where it gets stupid, any game in the Microsoft portfolio that has historically been published on PlayStation must, listen to this, must be offered on PlayStation for future iterations. But if that wasn't ridiculous enough, the stupidity continues. That, well, he, and he says this, not just Activision, not just Blizzard. Nobody asked the question, what about the next Fallout? What about the next Elder Scrolls? My guess is Microsoft plans never to put those games on a PlayStation. And the government will probably and can require them to do so moving forward. So what he is suggesting in this ridiculous comment is that they've already... We're coming in. We're going to be coming on uh, two years since the deal was announced that they purchased uh, uh, Bethesda, right? That happened. The, the, the final uh, purchase happened last year in the beginning of 2021. Somehow or another, the government is going to tell Microsoft, who spent eight, almost eight billion on that deal, hey, you have to put Fallout on a PlayStation because traditionally it's been there. And then he goes on and suggests that all of the games that have been on uh, uh, on a PlayStation before with the $70, $70 billion deal, they're going to have to put those games... I, 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 listen, the, the, the FTC is there to make sure that one side or another, it's fair trade. And for him, an, an analyst with his uh, repertoire saying these things is just... It's, it's shocking to me that you'd put yourself out there and why I say it's a matter of fact, because he says in the video, hey, bookmark this because you're going to come back to me and say I was right. So he honestly believes this shenanigans. I want to get the uh, the opinion of people. Zemi, I, I, I know that you are, uh, you, you know, you, you're, you're games for everyone. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I understand that about <laughs> you, but this is business. You know, yeah. I, I said this before and I will continue to bang this drum. I can't play Spider-Man on my Xbox. Because it's an exclusive to Sony. I won't be able to play Wolverine on my Xbox because it's an exclusive. I can't play Final Fantasy VII on my Xbox because it's an exclusive. I don't know. We don't know how Knights of the Old Republic is going to go. Is that going to be? Is that a year? Is it two years? Is it five years? I don't know. But the, but that's that that's locked up behind a money hat by Sony. Money hatting. And buying, you know, acquisitions, I understand it's apples to bananas, but you're still keeping content away from one community. Sony does it all the time and no one says boo. Microsoft goes out and wants to provide an incredible service like Game Pass and everyone's like, oh, but they need games. Well, they're going out and getting them and they're doing it because they have a lot of money to do so. What are your thoughts? Not so much on the keeping content away, but what Pactor had to say in his a matter of fact conversation on the fact on the uh, the fact uh, the, the I think it's called the Pactor factor. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I don't see the government requiring uh, Xbox to 
published like Bethesda games, for instance, on on PlayStation and so on and so forth. I mean, could it potentially happen to uh, Activision Blizzard titles? I don't know. Maybe I, I you know, I. I don't have a law you know, degree uh, and I know that that's really shocking to everyone because I'm just so <laughs> knowledgeable about, you know, legal issues. Um, look, at, at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't really truly matter as far as Activision Blizzard's concerned. Uh, and, and really, in my opinion, it doesn't really truly matter as far as Bethesda is concerned. I mean, a few weeks ago we were talking about Activision Blizzard and you know kind of it kind of seemed like to me I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth but it kind of seemed like to me everybody was kind of okay um at least on the panel with the idea that Call of Duty and other uh Activision Blizzard games well, well, uh I said Call of Duty I never I again I I know what you're saying and and I think that yeah. that might be misconstrued Call sure. of Duty I could care less about cuz I'm not paying for it and I wouldn't pay for it cuz I haven't bought a Call of Duty in years but sure. to, to suggest that, uh, like, like I, I think Spyro is going to be exclusive for Xbox. I think the next Crash is going to be exclusive. And I say, well, if you want, uh, you know, unlike a PlayStation, right, Un unlike what Sony does, they box you in to buy a box and play mm -hmm. that game there. Microsoft says, hey, listen, you can play your game anywhere. You can play it on your TV. You can play it on your pewter. You can play it on your phone. You can play it on, on, on your console. And that's the difference. That's the difference uh, with with and I and I and you know something. If 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 I were Microsoft, I would not put any of these games on on PlayStation because if Call of Duty, sure, who cares? Who cares about Call of Duty? But to suggest that all all the other games are going to be on there is ridiculous. But continue. Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, like like at the end of the day, if you're okay with Call of Duty being on there, I, I don't personally see why it's okay to allow call of duty on playstation but it's not okay to allow starfield on playstation for instance right and 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 you know i i get that we all have preferences and you know um certain people are going to prefer starfield and want to hold that back from other people and certain people are going to just prefer call of duty and may want to hold that back from other people um but but at the end of the day none of this really from what i'm hearing directly affects any gamers uh in the sense of affecting our pocketbooks right mm -hmm. affecting how much money we have to spend and and more importantly what games we can play versus what games we can't play because everybody here has an xbox so you know all, to me i i'm not going to get any fulfillment and i'm not saying that anyone else is you know on the panel going to get any fulfillment of holding games back from other people right um, that's, it's not going to help me. It's not going to provide me with, you know, with more games, um, you know, than, than, than I will otherwise already have. So, you know, to me, it, 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 it doesn't really matter where Xbox puts, you know, their, their, you know, acquired, uh, studios games. Like it, it just doesn't, you know, on, on the grand scheme of things that it, it really does not affect me anyway. Uh, as far as, you know, the FTC, you know, uh, putting strong, uh, you know, requirements on, on Xbox, you know, I, I could potentially maybe see it happen for the Activision Blizzard thing. You know, it, like that sounds plausible once again, I'm not a lawyer, but that sounds plausible. However, them, you know, coming back to a deal that they've already approved, that being the Bethesda deal and enforcing xbox to do certain things uh, you know on that that they've already approved and said hey that's perfectly fine um 
I don't. I I think that kind of sounds a little fishy. I, I don't see that being potentially, you know, as plausible as as Activision, for instance. Uh, but once again, on the grand scheme, I don't really think that this actually really affects anyone. And, and maybe I'm wrong. And if so, I, yeah, I'd love to hear it. But I I just don't see how it affects uh, your average Xbox gamer. I just don't. Well, I mean, listen, it, it, again, uh, Call of Duty's uh, remaining uh, multi-plat, uh, I, like I said, I could care less. I, I, I think there, there, is, there, there is something to be said with the opinion that's out there that Warzone 2 is going to stay on PlayStation, which makes sense. I have a strong suspicion that the recently announced uh, Call, of, uh, Call of Duty 2023 that's skipping, there's, there's reasons behind that. I think, one, to give the team a break because they've been grinding for 20 years and it's a little ridiculous. But I think that maybe the uh, there's a good shot that uh, Microsoft uh, says, yeah, you, we, we, we didn't go back on a word. Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare, I mean, um, Warzone 2, which is the hottest uh, free-to-play shooter, it's on a PlayStation, go play. I think standard fare uh, uh, Call of Duty's become exclusive. I, I'm not the only one that believes that. But Boxenberg, let's get your opinion on this, brother. Uh, you, you you heard what uh, Mac, Michael Pactor had to say on the deal. I I disagree tremendously. I think that what he's suggesting is coming from potentially a fanboy's point of view because we know that he's a big Sony dude. Um, and um, I, I don't know. I, I again for me, I wouldn't put myself out there and make these ridiculous claims on and, and then come out and say, "Oh, bookmark this." You're going to come back to me and say I was right. I, I don't think he's right on anything he said, and he hasn't been for years. <laughs> uh, that is for sure. What, what are your is thoughts true. on this? Yeah, um, let me start with the last thing you said. Um, Pachter put out a lot of inflammatory uh, theories out there yeah, <laughs> um, sure over has. the last mm -hmm. years, and which which one turned out to be true? Uh, I really can't remember a single one. Um, yeah. And unless he says, uh, predicts something obvious, like <laughs> Xbox is going to release a game this year. Uh, okay, of course. <laughs> um, he is. He he used to be, uh, along with uh, Jeff Keighley back in 2000, what was it, 8, 9, um, really one of the first uh, big YouTubers and uh, the big uh, bigger uh, well-known uh, media personalities in in. Um, in gaming, and then he became uh, this uh, guy for, who works for the uh, what is the, the company called? Um, I can't really remember. His job is now basically to give business um, strategies and, and and tips and advices out to people. And um, he started his podcast what five years ago or so, and ever since he he just put out bad take after bad take so i wouldn't take him serious anymore um he has been more wrong than right and um it, there's really uh, nothing nothing substantial behind his claims um and that's not me fanboying off it is just ridiculous to think that um any any government goes into a company and says okay here you bought uh, two years ago a company and now we're changing the rule set for how you can handle that company this is just ridiculous um not going to happen um bethesda games will continue to release uh, exclusively and uh, that's all there is to say, to be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, like even even going back to the Activision Blizzard stuff, like th there are some games that are contractually uh, going to come out. Like you know, you're gonna you're gonna have your Overwatch too. That that's gonna that's a that's a live service game. I would imagine that's gonna stay. Yeah. 
multi that could could be a multiplat uh, yeah. that along with Call of Duty and I Diablo could, Four for that matter. Yeah, I'm not. I'm really not sure about that to be honest. Um, I mean, it is a couple of years out, but we never know. That's true. Yeah, my guess would be exclusive. What I'm thinking more is like um, these uh, bigger PC games that that they have, um, like uh, World of Warcraft. If there's a console port, they probably will also have one for for PlayStation. That's the way I'm thinking. Um, But in terms of these uh, traditional, um, let's say... um, uh, more more story on oriented games or single player yeah, experience single player stuff will definitely be exclusive yeah definitely yeah. Yeah. yeah real quick let's get uh uh mr joanna dark's opinion on this i know that you're, you're limited to what you you can say but i i think again pactor is entitled to his opinion uh and i would never challenge someone's opinion the only reason why i decided to bring it up in conversation is the way that he's uh he made it as a matter of fact um i think that that's that's foolhardy in my opinion um you know like i said we don't know when this deal is going to get done uh if you listen to whole law and i think we all do at some point or another he does believe it's about an 80 percent chance the deal does go through microsoft has really crossed all the t's and dotted all the i's i know there's some people in here arguing back and forth that microsoft has become a monopoly that is uh, inherently incorrect and if you're making that suggestion, you need to go back and actually see what a monopoly is. Microsoft is not that. Even after this deal, they're still going to be number three. So I don't know how you can consider Microsoft or Xbox a monopoly that even after this deal, they're ranked as number three. Uh, if they were ranked number one and made this deal, then I can I, then then even even then even 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 if they were ranked number one, so long as there's a number two and a number three, and it, you know it doesn't even matter if the list keeps going, yeah. they're not a monopoly by the definition. Mon- mon- of what mon- a monopoly monopoly is. is you only have to look at the market share when you have more than fifty percent um, of the market, and, correct? Of the market, and you have a business in place that basically eliminates competition. Then we are talking um, a monopoly. But if you don't have that elimi- um, uh, competition part in there, you can even have a market share of 70 or 80% and you're still not a monopoly. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, 100%. Uh, what, 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 what do you want to say on this on regards to Michael Pactor's recent uh, statements regarding the Activision Blizzard deal? Oh, I thought you said Michael Bluth from uh, Rest of Development. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm just messing with you. I like that. That's um, a nice take on that. <laughs> um, here's the thing, right? Regardless of what happens with these games, I know as a Game Pass subscriber, they're day and date on my on my on my subscription service that I pay. Correct. It doesn't bother me that other people get to play games. Guess what? I still enjoy my games. They're games. Um, too many people are, are in their feelings sometimes, and I, I'm, you know, I'm glad that we're moving little by little towards a different type of point of view. We are still stuck in the '80s, some of us, and some of us are still stuck in our 12-year-olds. Where you know, I don't want Zemi to play Ghostwire Tokyo. I want to keep it to myself, uh, and I just don't pay attention to the loud noise. You know, Call of Duty comes to PlayStation, awesome. You know what I know is that when I jump into Call of Duty. Now, because it's part of Game Pass, I will jump in, I will get perks, um, and I'm going to enjoy it, um, just like I will every month, just vice versa, right? Spartacus comes around, I don't have to worry if, Spart- if you know, God of War is available on the Ouya. 
I just know that as part of Spartacus, I'm paying whatever I'm paying, and it's going to be there for me. It's um, it's just you know nonsense. You know, I wish people focused more on you know how can we how can we improve you know the gaming community? How can we improve life for developers? All these different things, except you know sometimes we sit here as adults that are supposed to be you know something more in the industry. And kind of, we sound like little kids in a schoolyard saying, hey, oh, this and that. Um, honestly, to me, it doesn't bother me. I always say this. I go where the games are because I play video games. Right. So you give it to me in a shoebox, I will play it out of a shoebox. All I care about is that I'm playing games. And if I can get onto any subscription that's available to play whatever game I need to play in any ecosystem, I'll go there and play it. I, what I would say, and theoretically, if somebody said that to me, if I was a big corporation and somebody's telling me that I need to, you know, what I invested, I would say, well, Hey, cool. But I also want to make sure that I'm not made like, you know, the example, that means that everyone else needs to give something up. That would be me fighting saying, okay, cool. Then I want company A, Z, X, Y, and Z also need to be held by those standards as we continue to acquire things, because that means that um, everything has to be fair. Right. So I would, that would be an argument to say, well, cool. You know, I still want to know when Final Fantasy is going to come to Xbox. Yeah. You know, good luck with that. 16. But at the end of the day, I don't listen to individuals who just want to stir up, you know, controversies and say this. At the end of the day, I just focus on what I can, what I, what I do the most is gaming, hanging out with everyone here on the show, the community. And that's about it. That's all I got to worry about. I don't worry about anything else. No, I mean, great points by everyone. Again, we threw a, threw a little bit of an audible out there because we had some time and we're, we're closing in on the two hour mark. Of course, I want to read a couple of super chats that have come in. We had one come in from uh, Dan Otaku, who drops a five hour super chat and says, You forgot about Shredder's Warhammer Dark Tide Exo Mecha replaced Party Animals Somerville Slime Rancher 2 Planet of, La- of Lana and Arc 2 Times Exclusive. Yeah, and that's a great point. There are a lot of games coming out. I think. I- Look, I, I even think Microsoft's first party this year, even though Age of Empires 4 came out on PC last year and Deathloop came out last year for the PlayStation 5, those those are still considered new games for this year for your Xbox that were not available last year. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, you have a new uh, uh, motorsport coming out. We don't know when that's going to release. But I, again, the, the granddaddy of the conversation is going to be Starfield because it is one of the biggest games this year. Uh, and it is it is a 10 year project that we know that Todd Howard and that team has been working on. It's his dream project. And um, like I said, in many earlier podcasts, uh, I think what we're seeing here, that that extra year delay uh, is is the Halo effect. Halo Infinite, if it would have launched the way it did uh, when the console launched in 2020, would have been disastrous. Right. But it, it launched last year, and it's it again. Maybe it's just you know they need to add some content to the multiplayer. I hear you, but the game is not broken. The game is fantastic, and Halo Halo Infinite's uh, single player it was was epic. I think you're going to see that that same that same kind of quality come to um at, to the end of the year. And Todd, you know, delaying that game until uh you know November is 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 genius you're gonna you're gonna get probably one of the most polished games Bethesda has ever put out there because they're polishing the game right now as we speak and it's it is going to be incredible we also had um a five dollar super chat come in from our good friend Kirby Zero Louise he drops a five dollar super chat and says 
They make you learn English because it's the language of the business world. Yeah, I've never heard of it broken down like that. That's pretty interesting. Uh, we also have Laburn uh, drops an outstanding $5 super chat and says the FTC demanding Microsoft to make ES, Fallout, Call of Duty, etc. for PlayStation would be like forcing Disney to release MCU and Star Wars content on Netflix and Prime. That's a freaking great freaking point I, I i i don't think i've ever heard it broken down as simplistic but as meaningful as what laburn uh um uh, 98 just said that that is that's genius uh but listen folks thank you so much for hanging out with us for two hours on this tuesday a couple of small announcements uh one of which is this thursday on the second episode of X Vlog Live, folks. I'm going to be sitting down for 60 plus minutes with Randall Thor 19, the man with a million, and we're going to be talking about some interesting topics. I'm literally writing that show as we speak, um, and I'm so happy to have Rand uh, back on the program. And me and him are going to go one on one, and we're going to have some good things to talk about. That show is going to be going live at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel. And another uh, relatively imp uh, important and uh, 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 something that I'm happy to, to, to announce is Web Dave, who is always in the chat, who you've seen interviewed uh, myself and Mav and several other people. Well, he is joining the Breakfast with Boom panel on a full-time basis starting this Friday morning. And he's going to bring all yeah. of his wealth. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's going to bring his wealth of knowledge of gaming to that podcast where you see Dreadpool, uh, you see myself, you see Crispy Bomb, you see BitCloud Gaming. So we are adding him to the mix and uh, can't wait for him to join this Friday. We're going to have a lot to talk about because obviously there are some subjects that we have not covered. But listen, let's get to the outros and we'll start first with our special returning member, uh, Zemi Games. What's up, brother? Listen, tell everyone where they can check you out. What else you got going on? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, uh, if you guys want to follow me uh, online, about pretty much the only place to do so is Twitter, at Zimmy Games. Uh, and here, relatively soon, I've been working on a, what I've been calling like a super secret like project. Uh, here soon, I will be, uh, you know, hopefully uh, announcing uh, what I've been working on to, you know, everyone, uh, you know, on on some form of a show for uh you know double barrel gaming yeah yes absolutely yeah we're gonna be sitting down maybe we'll get you on one of the uh the act the one-on-one -on -one where we get a chance to talk yeah. about it that'd be a lot of fun can't wait for you to share uh what i know i can't share it just yet but i know you certainly uh have been working hard on that and can't wait for you to share uh with the rest of the class but uh thanks for being here brother <laughs> definitely appreciate it very much absolutely. and uh what's that thanks for the invite oh anytime brother you're always welcome here uh Mr. Joanna Dark, let's get you on out of here, brother. Uh, tell everyone where they can reach out to you on social media and potentially check out what other shows you're on. Zemi, I'm glad you're making Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, I wish. <laughs> that would be awesome. But Zemi, it's always a pleasure um, being on the panel with you. Uh, and Voxenberg, as always, and I'm happy. Congrats on the LG TV. I want to get a picture on, you know, you. get you out there. Uh, you know I'll be game. posting something later. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, as always, thank you as well no, uh, my pleasure yeah you can find me on twitter under on big underscore n underscore boss uh you can also find me wednesdays on xbox international on the crazy lou gaming channel with crazy lou sour blow and silent cypher and then on thursdays i hang out with my friend and colleagues uh jasmine and albert and um 
besides that, uh, just you know, to give you a little context of this episode, um, I'm going to settle the argument of who is the goat of Final Fantasy characters this Thursday. Excellent. Excellent. Can't can't <laughs> wait to hear who you choose that is going to be. For me, it's Cloud. But you know, that's just my opinion on the subject matter. Uh, but listen, let's uh, uh, Box and Burger. Uh, let's let's talk. Let's get you on out of here. Thank you so much for being here, brother. Please, by all means, sell your brand. Talk about your YouTube channel. What show is coming up this Thursday that I think you might want to make an announcement? And where can uh, people reach out to you on social media? Yeah, thanks, Boo, for having me. Uh, Sammy, it's been great with you uh, on the podcast again. Uh, we see us uh, not often enough these days. So I, it was, it was a, I was really happy to see you here today. And uh, Joanna Dog, it's always a pleasure with you. Of course, also with Mav, who, who left early. Thanks, everyone. Um, and yeah, people can find me basically everywhere on the Boxenberger, especially here on YouTube, where I have my little YouTube channel. And uh, I put up weekly videos about news, technology, gaming, um, and everything that a gamer cares about. And I also have a weekly podcast, The World of Gaming. And um, this week, we have a very special guest here uh, today. He's already smiling. Mr. Boomstick is going to join us there today. We will have a a direct conversation. It's it's a one-on-one show um, where we have... um, yeah. Um, a lot of chats about everything that happens in gaming, not just in Xbox, but also um, everything uh, that happened in the world of gaming. That's Thursday, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. PT, 7 p.m. UK time and 8 p.m. Central Europe. Can't wait for uh, to have you this week, Boom. Uh, it's going to be an awesome show. And um, um, thank you for everyone. Yeah. And I'll be back in here next week. Yeah, looking forward to this Thursday. You're going to get a double dose of Boom. I'm going to be sitting down with Randall Thor19. And from there, taking a little bit of a break and then heading right over to hang out with Boxenberger. Hopefully, everyone tunes in, moves from one show to the other. Of course, last the last super chat that comes in from Raiden Blade, he drops a two pound super chat and says, If Street Fighter 6 misses my Series X, I'm done with Capcom. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I love the guys over at Xbox Era and they talked about that. Special Nick specifically says that he has two very, very close um, uh, sources and both sources are saying different things. One was last year that said, yeah, you lock it in. It's it's an exclusive. And, and, and he just talked about it on this week's show. Recently, another source says, no, no, it, it, it's going to be multi-plat. So only time is going to tell. I, I don't want to play Street Fighter uh, on a PlayStation. I, I just don't. I Will I? Yes. If, if I'm forced to do so, sure. But I would r- much rather play it on my, uh, my Xbox. But listen, folks, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the Super Chats that continue to come in and support Double Barrel Gaming. And of course, I'll close out the show with something that is important to me. Hopefully one day it'll be important to you. And that's something that my dad taught us when we were kids. And he said, son, treat others how you want to be treated, and also doesn't cost anything to be nice. You live by those rules, and I can guarantee you you're going to have an awesome day. So take care, everyone, and we'll see you next week on the newest episode of the Xbox Factor Podcast. 